0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the topropepress.com radio
1: network. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area.
0: You champion. You don't like it? I don't care. You don't speak English? I don't
1: care. Fool me once. Shame on. Shame on you. It hey, fool me. We can't get fooled again. And I have passed the brain you the do. They
0: think they got the answers. I change the questions.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Top Rope Nation, presented by TopRopePress.com. I am your host, Ryan Droste, the editor-in-chief of Top Rope Press, and I am joined here by my associate editor, Jason Stout. Uh, You guys might have tuned in and heard us talk a little bit about the draft last week. That was kind of a run-through for this show, which we will be putting on here probably weekly, maybe bi-weekly once in a while. Uh, Jason, how's it going tonight? It's going all right, Ryan. How you doing? Pretty good. Um, it's been a busy couple days, I guess for those of us that cover wrestling, when we heard about the, the draft coming up, we thought those pay per view weeks are gonna be pretty rough. And uh are you hanging in there?
0: Hanging in as good as you can, man. You got still five hours of wrestling every Monday and Tuesday night, and thankfully, as we'll get into, it has not been even remotely as bad as I think we thought it was gonna be.
1: Yeah, we got NXT going on right now, so I'm still going to have to catch that after we get done recording. So we're running on four days straight of wrestling. Next week we'll get a little bit of break. So um, most of you listening have probably already heard people talk about Battleground now for days, but we did want to touch on that just a little bit. Uh, Jason, what did you think was the match of the night at Battleground?
0: Well, the match of the night, without question, was Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I mean, you can't even begin to get anything better than what those two did i mean obviously everyone's saying match of the year i think that's thrown around way too much but those two guys know how to go out and work each and every time
1: i agree i didn't think it was quite as good as Sami Zayn and nakamura from uh, takeover dallas but it was it was it was right up there i think i gave it four and a half stars in my review on top rope press so stars 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 are good stars are good I, I like star ratings just for, uh, you know, just something you can talk about with your friends and argue over, you know, was that a five-star match? Was that a four-star exactly. match? Exactly. So I and brought I it back a couple, couple months ago here in my reports, and hopefully we'll keep it going. Yeah. I love to argue, so it was always good. <laughs> As you can tell from your Twitter page, if, you, if you're if you not following Jason, you can check him out at, at Top Rope Stout There's some good stuff going on there.
0: I do what I can. I do what I can. <laughs> Anything I can do to contribute to the wrestling world, which is very little, but we're gonna give it a shot. We all
1: try our best. We do. All right. No so. one's
0: Dave Meltzer around here, but sometimes <laughs> I, sometimes I think I'm smarter than Dave, but I don't have nearly as many connections.
1: Hey, really? He was on. He was on a rant today, man. He was
0: messing with people.
1: He does that sometimes, and I just laugh. I love that Meltzer has become like the number one, well, maybe number two behind Kevin Owens, like the number two Twitter troll of late, at least in my Easily. opinion.
0: Then throw Rusev on there as three. Rusev is getting fantastic.
1: Yeah, he's Kevin Owens in training, I think. I actually, well, I talked a little bit to Meltzer over this past weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about that here um, later on in the broadcast. Uh, but let's move on here to Raw. So we had the first Raw of the brand, the new brand split era. And what did you think about the overall feel of the show, Jason?
0: See, you know, people were up in arms because that's what we do as... Smart, because we complained about everything before it even happens. And everyone's complaining about the, the logo changes and are we going to get a new stage? And then as soon as we see a new stage, everyone's complaining because, oh, it's just the SummerSlam stage. And My immediate reaction was when I saw the program, when I saw the product, I said, it just feels different. And that's what we've been asking for for how many years. It doesn't matter where they get the stage from. It doesn't matter if someone's mom, you know, did the logo on MMS Paint that weekend it's just a matter of the show felt different. I wasn't 100% behind the camera work because it just feels like Kevin Dunn just is like, I'm just going to keep doing it my way and all you guys can be damned. But otherwise, I mean, the, the, the red ropes, you know, the, the simple fact that you had Corey Graves on commentary, which is, I don't know what, 10 to 20 million times better than listening to JBL. I mean, it was perfect in that aspect. So I think the overall feel of the show... Was exactly what we've been looking for, for what at least five years, if not longer.
1: At least, yeah. I I like the new the new stage, um, the new opening was decent. I don't know what I thought about the music, but I don't want to be a downer here. <laughs> but please,
0: please, let's I, just start calling you Ryan Downer.
1: <laughs> I actually did not think. It was different enough from how it's been the last few years. The stage was, like, basically the same other than the big arch over right. the top, right? I mean, I was hoping for an entirely new setup other than the big Titan drama, the entrance right underneath, that they've had since 1997. Well,
0: I'll give you that. But, I mean, it's one of those things where you got to figure, you know, they've only had, what, two months to get this under control, so, you know, in real time to Vince, that's like three years. So he he's like, what do we have in storage? That's, that's how I looked at it. And I'll give you that. I think putting the, uh, the announcers up by the stage was kind of cliche, a little gimmicky. Um, having them stand the whole time where you can see the iPads now <laughs> that much better. Not having the tables ringside made it feel a little weird. You know, there's no chance anybody's going to go through anything, but that's also become something that happens every show. So it's kind of nice that it didn't happen this time, but I, I'll give you that. It didn't feel like a hundred percent different, but I mean, it was still something
1: right. I think, um, I thought it was different as far as like how the show was booked and the pacing and everything. So I'll give that, them that. For that sure. was yeah, that was a lot different. I mean, well, yeah. I
0: mean, when's the last time you can re- remember that Stephanie McMahon or any McMahon for that matter was out for the first? That wasn't even ten, fifteen minutes. They made their announcements, which we'll get to here in a sec, and then they were gone. Like yeah. there was no more. I mean, I I don't remember a Raw where I can sit back and say. Was that about 2 hours and 45 minutes of wrestling? I I was shocked at least at that.
1: Yeah, and I mean both of us were old school fans. We've both been fans for like close to 30 years now at least God, since we were little give kids. Her age.
0: There we go. <laughs> we're old.
1: <laughs> we're children of the 80s and yes, which is fine. Yeah, I know like we grew up watching squash mash after squash mash on TV. Oh yeah. And I actually love the fact that they brought back squash matches, you know, to get over some of the, well, new, I guess, Nia Jax, you know, bringing her up, making her look like a monster. Whether or right. not she should be on the main roster is a different issue. For sure. Um, and then you've got Braun Strowman, who was also in a squash match, which I think that's the perfect way to book those guys, so... <laughs>
0: It's good. I mean, I just I was a little confused by you know I think they're still trying some things out. So having like Saxton go in there and interview people post match and things, as interesting as that was, it's probably the best use for Byron Saxton honestly moving forward. But at the same time, you you kind of help couldn't help feel badly for the for the you know quote unquote jobbers that night. Right. Just because you know they were the way they were presented, everybody knew what was going to happen to them. But even in that aspect, I don't think either Jax or Strowman came off as the monsters as everybody wanted them to be. They just came across as two people who, this week we didn't put you on superstars, we put you on Raw, so do your best. And it was their first chance out of the gate. And I don't really think either one of them succeeded too much. I don't I don't see, especially Strowman. Do you see Strowman come anywhere near a title in the next year? I
1: don't. No. <laughs> Not a chance. He's... He's... uh. I mean, he's got the Vince McMahon look that Vince exactly. likes, but he's not. The ready. haircut was nice. The yeah.
0: haircut was—I don't even know what that was supposed to be. Honestly, the same ring gear, and you just shaved his head a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. He's—he's—he's he's, he's fantastic. So yeah. I just miss Luke Harper. So hopefully he can come back and beat up Braun Strowman.
1: That'll be his hashtag: beat up Braun Strowman. Luke Harper is awesome. So I mean, if he—if he comes back, maybe he can. Because I think Strowman needs someone that he can wrestle on the road a lot and learn from. And for Harper's, sure. Harbour Harper is definitely a guy that he can learn a thing or two from. Well, I don't doubt so.
0: that for a minute, no. Not at all.
1: So in that opening segment, like Jason was saying, um, which luckily did not go on for 30 minutes, and it was the only appearance of Stephanie McMahon on the show in front of the crowd, um, they announced the WWE Universal championship the raw world title and we've we've talked a lot um and we talked about it in our draft show last week on the podcast we've talked about it in our writing at toprowpress.com virtually nobody on our staff is a fan of having two world champions uh, i'm a h- huge opponent of it because i feel like it's confusing for the audience and nobody really understands what the heck is going on I think you have two intercontinental champions and no world champion when you have two championships. Uh, What do you think about it, Jason? Uh, I love it. I think it's the best
0: idea that WWE's had in a long time. I can't even finish the sentence.
1: (laughs) Sarcasm. I couldn't
0: even do it. I mean, you you hit it on the head, man. I mean, if you're going to have two world championships, then what should have happened all along is what everybody knows should have happened when the failed invasion the first time. If you're going to have two brands, then you have two brands. You don't have WWE anymore. You have to have people that are actually competing against each other. So when you tune in Monday nights, you know you're going to see those guys only on Monday night. But then you tune in on Tuesday, you get those people only on Tuesday. But then on Sunday, when the pay-per-views are you know, together, you're going to have two world title matches again. People are gonna be like, well, which one's more important? And then when you call something the WWE Universal Championship, that's Vince kinda what? I mean, kinda patting people on the head saying, just remember the raw brand is more important because Universal is bigger than world. So I <laughs> I was disappointed. I think I tweeted as much during the show as like, you know, kinda cracked a joke that they're gonna borrow TNA's Legends title that went through about twelve different name changes while it was there and It's sad I would love to see the champion float between two shows I think having one world champion He can float both through both shows And no one's going to care You know, your other titles might be You know, have to be in one spot But
1: Yeah, it also adds something special to the world title too Exactly If you got got people, you know, going That's the only person that goes show to show And that's what they did in the original brand split at first with Brock Lesnar At first, right Yeah, for just a brief period So Yeah, not a fan. I think the Universal name, um, we did get a question about that on our Twitter account. I think it's pretty obvious it comes from the WWE Universe, the tagline they've been pushing for a long time. So that's where that comes from. I I I will be interested to just... What's that? I'm
0: sorry. I just thought it came from their partnership with NBC Universal. (laughs) I mean, they're like, we've given you how much money, Vince, to air your product. So now you're going to give us something in return.
1: Could have had an impact. It's possible.
0: (laughs) Impact. That airs tomorrow for everybody who has pop TV. What's impact? Is what three is three people. Exactly. It's uh, Dixie Carter talking for two hours to the Hardy Boys about their glory days.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe some week we'll talk about TNA on the podcast, but right now... No, yeah, definitely. Not gonna Someday. Happen. Not going to happen. So, all right, so we got the Universal Championship. I will be interested to see what the belt looks like. There is some intrigue in that. Um but uh, coming out of Raw, let's just skip ahead right away to this. We had Finn Balor debut. Mm-hmm. And, Happy birthday, Finn! And Balor was the, definitely the star of the show. Um, we've we've had NXT people come up here and there that they didn't they didn't really have an impact. There's that word again. Cough,
0: Tyler Breeze. <coughs> Tyler yeah,
1: breeze. they were jobbed out, or um, you know, not really given a chance to succeed, or they were relegated to the upper mid card. Right, uh, But, you know, he was definitely the, the star of the show. Were you surprised when he won the main event?
0: Do you want me to answer like Vince Russo or do you want me to answer like me? Because obviously Russo had some issues with it, you know, because that's what, that's what he an does. Idiot. Well, Russo, Russo is an idiot. <laughs> I've been blocked from Vince Russo for going on a year and a half, so... Um, I'll say this. I was surprised, obviously, that he won. I'm surprised that he won clean. I mean, for him to pin Roman Reigns, who just, what, two months ago, was the golden boy of the whole company, and for him to lose at Battleground, clean, and then to lose on Raw, clean, was, the, the to me, that was a surprise. You knew he was going to have to do a little bit of penance when he came back, and I think everyone's maybe assuming now that he's going to do the, low, the the slow burn, you know, where he's going to eventually turn heel, but they're going to do it slowly, you know, because his post-match interview about Balor winning was... I don't even know what... That was the stupidest part of the whole show for me because it still just shows that he has no character development whatsoever. But to your question, I think him winning, Balor winning it all, and going on to face Rollins at SummerSlam, it's... Pretty much every fanboy's wet dream, but to me, I mean, I have my personal preferences for what those matches should have done. But if once he won the first fatal four way, it was pretty much assured in my mind that he was going to win. So,
1: yeah, I wasn't I wasn't that surprised. Um, I guess what surprised me, and you mentioned it a second ago, was that awkward interview they did with Reigns after the match because what that told me is that they still think. He's a babyface. Exactly. Right? Like, he's like, oh, that guy's my, I respect that guy, or I respect that dude, or whatever he said. Right. Uh, you know, so, unless they're, I, I, you know, if I was booking this, he would turn at SummerSlam, cost Balor the title, join up with Rollins, and maybe that's where they're headed, it's possible. Because Could be. It, it did seem like his interview was almost like too babyface, like it was, I don't know, I,
0: thought. I, th- I think the funnier thing, Ryan, is you got to th- look back to the whole night. You know, they don't talk to Balor really at all. They gave him you know, those those nice little vignettes, which is something else that they ran on Raw that I think was different and also kind of, you know, nice to see. But the fun thing was is right before their match, of course, they met up and back. And Balor kind of, to me, and it started last week on NXT against Nakamura. Was that last week? Where he kind of started to play the cocky... Ben Balor again, where I don't need luck, you know, or that he you know when he was messing with, with Nakamura, and he went directly after the leg, you know, he he picked a spot, and I think, I think what you're actually what I was most expecting was not for Reigns to turn heel. I was expecting the club to come out. I was expecting them to cost Reigns the match. I thought the Balor club was going to get born last night, and I mean I knew the reason why, or not last night, Monday. I knew the reason why because you don't want to go ahead and follow the club and the AJ route that they took so soon. But I just don't really see what they're going to do with this guy. Cause they're not really giving fans an idea of who he is to me. They're just expecting everyone to know who Finn Balor is.
1: Right. Yeah. I felt like, uh, Balor had kind of like the cool babyface aura about him with that backstage promo and, and the way he talked. You know, he invented Lucky's Irish, and it seemed like Reigns, especially in the in the post match promo, he was like the stereotypical '80s babyface, and that's why I think, you know, maybe it was almost like sarcastic the way you know he was talking, and they I'll are going to that that heel turn. So we'll I'll see. Give
0: but, I mean, come on, Ryan. I mean, yeah, Balor had a great night, but let's talk about the story of Monday night. There's only one story, and it's spelled B-O-S-S.
1: That's the only story, because the guest lost her championship. For those who don't know, Jason has a very, well, I was going to say love-hate, but it's mostly hate-hate it's relationship all hate. with Charlotte. It's all hate.
0: I don't like her. <laughs> I, they could release her tomorrow, and I wouldn't blink.
1: So you were crying tears of joy when banks won the title Monday night.
0: I fell off my couch. Um, I hugged my dog because my wife was already in bed. Uh, and I just thanked Jesus for giving us that moment because <laughs> we needed it. I think I think the women's division needed it as much as everybody gives Charlotte credit for having that long reign. You know, was it like 11 or 12 pay-per-views in a row? And everyone's like, oh, you know, this is this is the women's revolution. This is what it is. You, you can't deny that it got stale. It got stale a lot faster than WWE hoped it would. So by bringing Banks back, by giving her back-to-back wins, showing how strong of a competitor she really is, they're, pun intended, banking on her to turn this thing around. And I think... In all fairness, she's probably the only one on the roster right now who can do that since Bailey is still at NXT.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you. Banks is I can't believe they waited this long to put the title on her. I mean, WrestleMania was the obvious choice and it didn't happen. Um and then she was off TV for months and months and months and you know, then she came back. She was wrestling uh superstars or whatever. Uh I'm interested to see where they go with it. The, the problem is, like, the women's rosters are so diluted now with the brand split. I mean, the feuds are few and far between who who they can wrestle. Um, I, I guess that's probably more of a problem on SmackDown, um, which we'll get to here in a minute. Um, I thought the match itself was really good. I didn't think it was, like, out of this world, like some people online were saying. There no, was, I don't think it was either. Yeah, the first, like, Two-thirds of the match were solid, but nothing special. And then, like, the last Mm -hmm. one-third was really, really good, I thought. Um, There were some cool uh, segments they had. I mean, like, the moonsault Charlotte did to the outside was just insane that anyone would do that. It was. She's done it before, but...
0: She has, but I think
1: that's one of the things that shows how
0: green she still is. that No one wants to admit. forget, she's only been wrestling for, what, two years, three years, tops? Right. And, you know, she's athletic. Everyone knows she's athletic. But, I mean, when you have a moment when Sasha Banks falls down on the ground, Eddie Guerrero style, to get Dana thrown out of the match, and I give credit to Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke sold that perfectly. But, I mean, yeah, I'll agree with you. I don't think the match was, you know, five star. I don't think it was Bailey, Sasha, either one of them. But it was good, and it got the message across. I think the the ending was a little botched. I mean you saw Charlotte tap out about three separate times for the rep finally decided to call the bell. But yeah, I mean I mean it was it was the moment I think of the night for Raw. Uh, Balor beating Reigns at the end was kind of like a little bit of a cherry on top of the of the whipped cream already of a pretty good show. But that's the moment I'm taking away from it. Was the start of something new. You know, the whole show felt that way. Something new is coming, hopefully. And, you know, if I tune in next Monday and I see Stephanie McMahon every 20 minutes, I mean, then I'm just going to turn it off. Because you can't do something like you did Monday and then go back to the way it was before. You just can't.
1: Right. Yeah, so I mean, the basic format was a few long matches and the squash matches, which I think we both agree was a good good plan, good idea. Uh, It's like going
0: back to watching wrestling on Saturday mornings, you know, and even the way Raw started. Right. You know, it was in the Hammerstein Ballroom and all those places. You know, you saw Damian Demento against The Undertaker, but everybody knew it was going to happen. But then you also had a nice, you'd have Shawn Michaels in there fighting a pretty good match. You'd have Brett in there doing a great match. And you wouldn't have to worry about the pacing because the show was the show. And it was over when it was over. And you actually wanted more. Now you're just waiting for it to be over.
1: Yeah. All right. Here's a question for you as we close out our raw coverage and opinions Um, Who do you think. With Reigns now out of the championship match, who do you think he's going to be programmed with for SummerSlam? I mean, just looking at the Raw roster, any, any ideas there?
0: I think it's Owens. Yeah. I think it's time. Uh, the sad thing about that is, is I'm starting to get to the point where I'm wondering if Owens is doing the, the Bray Wyatt route where everyone knows he can afford to lose and not really lose his spot. So, does he win big matches? Can he win big matches anymore? Um, I'm not saying he hasn't, but I mean, losing to Zayn was important because it needed to prove that Sammy could hang with these guys on Raw, and it did just that. But then watching Owens lose in his Fatal 4-Way, thankfully, he didn't take the pin, right? No, it was uh, Rusev took the pin, Yeah, which was good. You know, Rusev can afford to take that pin, too, and it doesn't really hurt anything, but... I think it's time. I think we'll see Reigns and uh, Owens start something here probably next week. And uh, Owens pretty much just maybe taking the route of it's my spot. You've had your chance. Do that whole thing. And uh, I'm into that. But uh, I'm afraid that he would actually probably lose at SummerSlam, which I don't really think is a good idea. But knowing Vince, I don't think he can keep having Reigns lose and lose and lose unless that's part of the plan too.
1: Yeah, I think – I was going to say the same thing. I think it's going to be most likely Owens. The only other option I could possibly see possibly Jericho. Right. Um, but right. Uh, Owens would be the, the best feud, I think, for him. So, overall, Raw was a really good show. I think we both agree. Jason usually, well, uh, he's kind of on a rotation right now, I guess. But for the last year or so, he's almost always covering Raw for com. And uh, this week, Kate Carcella covered it. She wrote in her article she really liked the show. I think next week Jason will be covering the show, so we'll see if they can capitalize on the momentum that they built this week because that was definitely one of the best Raws in several months.
0: If they don't capitalize on it, I'm going to explode because she can't get a great show to cover and then I get some court of crap to do next week. So (laughs) I will probably hurt someone
1: show also did very good in the ratings. Uh take did. that up last night. I think it averaged like 3.3 3 million viewers, which was an increase versus the week before. Right. Um, it had some tough competition from the Democratic National Convention, and uh, which actually outdrew the Republican Convention the week before. So you would think Raw would have an even tougher time, but they actually right. increased their rating. Um, and we'll get to SmackDown and how they did here in a second. So what did you think of the look – of SmackDown now compared to, you know, Raw, how they changed up. Did you think they differentiated it enough from Raw or was it too uh, similar?
0: I mean, no, as much as I want to say yes. Eh, I mean, eh. they tried to make it the people show again, which is fair. I mean, you got the people's GM right now, uh, but I mean, other than, this is where the roving camera came in right this is like it was kind of a let's try to do some different angles and things and
1: it was like the camera the nfl uses i thought yeah the show kinda, you like behind the quarterback. Kinda. but i didn't really get it because
0: i don't think we've ever i mean fair enough again something we haven't seen and we're so used to kevin dunn's you know herky jerky on raw that it's just you know it was different the show did feel different but i mean the fact that Monday was Raw, Tuesday was SmackDown, and they were back to back, I didn't really feel like there was anything that really set either show apart from each other. It just felt like SmackDown was really, really hoping that they didn't emulate Raw, but at the same time, could keep up with Raw.
1: Right. Man. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, like, what are the differences we had here? We've got the same basic entrance way, the Titantron right. with the entrance under it. Um, Let's see, on SmackDown, there was no ramp. They came out on just the bare ground. They came
0: ground. out bare ground like they do. it. They've done, like, the last two pay-per-views kind of thing. They, they have that
1: set. Did Raw have a ramp? I can't even remember.
0: Raw had a ramp, but it was, like, just the stage was a little different than what it was before. So.
1: Right. And SmackDown had, like, these video boards, like, square ones kind of set out a few feet yeah, in front of the which entrance. which I really
0: didn't see the point
1: of those either, but... <laughs> that was a little awkward. Um, they had, like you said, the wire camera... Um, the announcer's still at ringside. Mm-hmm. Um, but like blue I, ropes. That's yeah, about blue it. ropes. That's about it. Like, I mean, like I said, this this comes back to it's still... I mean, they make these little changes, but I was mm-hmm. hoping for a whole new set. Well, you I know. think the uh,
0: the music in the intro was better than Raw's a little bit. Um, I like the fact that the fist was present, but it was only in the intro video. Mm-hmm. You know, like I thought, if anything... Even if you're not going to go back to the, the old set, you could have at least somehow incorporated that and made that part of the logo, made it part of the presentation. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's I think in this situation, especially maybe not even with Raw, but at least with SmackDown, it should have been big. go big or go home. Yeah. Go big because this show has to look different, has to feel different. It shouldn't just feel like the carryover from Monday night anymore because it's its own thing. It's its own animal. And I don't really think we saw that. So it's kind of sad.
1: Dude, they've essentially had the same set for 20 years, if you think about it.
0: That's the saddest part.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know when I was a teenager and even like after Raw and like early 97, when they went to the Titantron setup, which, which was like the biggest video board I had ever seen at the time. Yeah. It was awesome. It but, was. But they still, when they went to pay-per-views, their pay-per-view sets were like very simple. You had like the little square box that they would come out of at WrestleMania and mm-hmm. SummerSlam 97. And there's something to be said for it doesn't have to be. Really flashy, just something simple but different right. from what you're used to seeing. Because I remember right. I love those pay per view sets and they're incredibly simple. Like, I could probably build that in an afternoon. Right. <laughs> and I'm or not maybe, even that handy. Maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should and send it to them. We'll him. build it and just send it to him. Like, why do you not use this? Well, I mean, if you if you look at their shows, what I was getting to is if you look at their shows, they've done the network where they don't have the full setup, like their house shows they've been broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And if you've been to a house show recently, they have like a very small entranceway with a little video board, right? Uh, like the last one they did in Canada, they used their house show setup and people raved about how much they liked watching that show because right. it looked entirely different from the normal television. And that's what I was hoping for. Just a whole different setup.
0: Well, that's the weird thing I'm thinking of right now. The uh, NXT Brooklyn from last year was the first time that NXT obviously was in a big arena. It was the first time everybody was worried that it wouldn't work. And that setup, because it was a SummerSlam setup, that was the one that we're seeing on on SmackDown, isn't it? With those little video boards on the side where they just walked out with no stage.
1: I think so. I think you're so that's right. What,
0: I mean, that's like the first time I remember seeing that. And I thought it was different even then because you're so used to that ramp. And just having them walk out of something like the raw throwback shows that they were doing, you know, the raw old school when they just had the letters R A W and a curtain. you know, that was, that to me was it. But I mean, we're not going to get that. I mean, I guess that's part and parcel for what we're doing right now. Like we want to see change. They gave us the change we're going to get. And either we take it or leave it because that's Vince McMahon's way. You take it or you leave it. And he knows you're going to keep taking it because we have for, like you said, 20 years.
1: Right. So overall, on SmackDown, I think we both agreed uh, the biggest thing, and we talked about this on our post draft show again, uh, was just that the SmackDown roster compared to Raw is very thin. I mean, they have a they have a shorter show every week, one hour less, but really? they are expected to put on a three hour pay per view on their own, starting with yeah. Backlash here coming up. So I mean, uh, what, I mean, we've talked about it, but did you really notice it, like when they? When they announced the six-pack challenge and you were looking at the guys that were in that match.
0: That's exactly what you did. You you <laughs> you you looked at the guys surrounding the ring because, you know, they had a the full roster out there. So you had both the male superstars and the, and the women superstars around the ring. And I, like, immediately said when they said a six-pack challenge, I could do four right away. Everyone, I think, could do four right away. Uh, the surprise fifth name of being Baron Corbin. I think that threw people a little bit, but when you're looking at the roster, like, who else are you going to put on there? It was either him or Cruz, and then Cruz ended up getting in anyway with the Battle Royal, which was shocking to me. Because, I mean, I honestly thought that they were going to go the route with Kane. I mean, because he's the only other guy that I saw on that roster that probably could fit into that match, do his spots like he's supposed to, and put over whoever was going to win. But, it just I don't think there was any chance anybody tuning in Tuesday night looked at that around the ring and said, "I got six guys that can be at the top of this card."
1: No, definitely not. There's
0: no way. Three. You had three maybe tops, and I did. And the guy who won, sure heck, wasn't my top three.
1: Right, I agree. And, and hey, he's even from your home state.
0: This is true. We went to the same school and everything. Yeah. But I just. Oof, I mean, it's not his fault. It's just the way that they've booked him for, what, the last five years, if not maybe even longer. Yeah, at least. It's it's not his fault that he got hurt. But then ever since he's come back, you just feed him to whoever you want to feed him to. He's supposed to show off. But then all of a sudden, well, we need something to shock because Balor won on Monday. Everyone's expecting AJ to pick up this win. So... I mean, come, come on! The biggest surprise had to be not the fact that Ziggler won, but the fact that Ziggler won with a single super kick. Right. When's the last time a single super kick won anyone anything?
1: Yeah, the super kick's been overdone in wrestling for the last few years. I think. We I think the,
0: the young kick. bucks were watching that and went, "Whoa, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa!" Like their minds were blown, just like the rest of ours.
1: So the finish: uh, AJ hit the flying forearm on Cena. Right? Turns around, Mm -hmm. gets super kick, gets pinned. So, I mean, in
0: fairness, though, like always, Styles can sell a move probably. I mean, seriously, Styles is like the Triple H of this generation. The dude can sell any move when he wants to, and he can oversell it, he can undersell it. But that super kick, he turned right around into it. He ate it, he fell, and he got pinned, and it made sense. I mean, any other time a super kick is going to look weak anymore because everyone who does, I mean, everyone does one. But this one worked, and I was. I think when the ref's hand hit the map for three, I was with everybody else. I was shocked, but I almost immediately accepted it and was maybe not okay with it. But if you're trying for something different and you're trying to give this show a different feel, it kind of in a way works
1: yeah i mean it's surprising um definitely i mean if aj won it's what everyone was expecting so i guess they are trying to give you the feel of we're live now what do you think can happen right and they also did that with the free the quote unquote free agents that were making their appearances throughout the show right yeah he slater run out during the middle of the show he's a one-man band baby
0: <laughs> it's a, a pr- one-man band
1: Surprised he didn't get drafted after his gruesome injury at the house show Great. the weekend Terrorists before the still draft. still see it, man. Yeah, see, it's his,
0: eye, his eye is horrible.
1: Yeah. So you had that. You had Rhino. So, I mean, what they're trying to do is right. I mean, it's they're trying to get back to – in you know, in the Attitude era or the Monday Night Wars when you never knew who could show up on Raw or Night Show and they're they're trying to do that. Like, who's this crazy free agent? It's Rhino running out. And I'm not sure anyone really cared that Rhino ran out. There could have maybe well, been some better. It was options. even
0: worse. I mean you you had Shane who said he's the hottest free agent. I knew it was just feeding into the situation, but anytime anyone uses the words hottest free agent and rhino in the same sentence, <laughs> I don't even think Paul Heyman ever said those words together,
1: so little ridiculous yeah it is
0: what it is but I mean if he was the only guy there which is what it seemed like to me he was the only guy that was there that out of these guys that they're probably bringing back in some way shape or form I mean Shelton obviously wasn't there that would have been pretty huge I think Shelton would have got a pop
1: oh yeah surprise appearance from Shelton Benjamin definitely I agree. that would have got it I am kind of excited about him coming back, though. I mean, that guy was awesome. 10, ten years ago or so in WWE, him and Shawn right. Michaels had an awesome match on Raw. But
0: still, it's, it's the video that people still remember. It's the super kick heard around the world, man. I mean, that one was intense.
1: He was a superstar in the making that they completely dropped the ball on. They, right, you know, they put him with the fake mother for a while, Shelton's mom. I mean, the, yeah. the best thing he probably did was. Uh, what when he teamed with uh, Charlie Haas?
0: Yeah, world's greatest tag team.
1: Yeah, that was that was probably the highlight of his previous tenure. So we'll see his, what happens. His,
0: his gold standard gimmick was actually pretty good. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't well received because it was the time. I think if he would have done that gold standard gimmick like three or four years ago, it would have been pretty sweet. But
1: I hope, you know, if they if they give Shelton Benjamin a new theme song, I'm immediately turning the chain. had one of the i love he did. the shelton benjamin theme song you i mean can... it
0: hit it hit and you were and you knew it was him it was like the to me it was his and uh christian's first theme when he went solo those two oh, yeah. in that time period were great
1: every creator wrestler i made on the old smackdown games around that time i gave the shelton benjamin theme song or the original john cena theme song i'm pretty sure thuganomics like, there yeah. you go yeah so, all right, so for SummerSlam on SmackDown now, we'll have Ambrose and Ziggler. It looks like almost certainly going towards uh, Cena and Styles. Uh, More than
0: likely, I would say so, yeah.
1: Orton, he's fighting Lesnar, who's from Raw, so that's an inter-promotion match. Right. And, I mean, what else do you think we're going to get from SmackDown? I looked down the roster, and it's, I don't know, Bray Wyatt, of course, is going to be involved somewhere.
0: I I would almost say that Wyatt's probably... See, if... The one thing you're going to have to do with Wyatt sooner than later is you're going to have to establish, do you want him at the top, or do you want him where he's been for the last two years? And I think SummerSlam is a really good chance if they don't really fully get behind Ziggler, then maybe, maybe there can be something there, but it's a little wonky just to throw him into that feud. Plus, if anybody remembers, his feud with Dean Ambrose was just awful the last time those two went. And it's not because of him, but everyone knows my affinity for Dean Ambrose. And if you don't, <laughs> that's all I got for you. If I see one more rebound clothesline, I, <laughs> this, I just...
1: This is not something we disagree about. We are on no, the same page on this.
0: I just don't get it. I mean, and there's no way Ziggler's taken the belt from him at SummerSlam. So we got at least another two months of dean ambrose's wwe champion but i mean i don't know i think the rest of the, ro- the roster i don't i mean do you give do you give wyatt the intercontinental title shot but that's a double turn with miz you know i, I i'm honestly thinking we might see Wyatt just not on the on the show honestly i yeah. wouldn't be surprised
1: i mean yeah as i as i go down the roster and i think about like who has to be on this show they have to have american alpha on the show I mean, they're bringing them up. They're right, but
0: they're also team. you know having a tag team match at uh, NXT Brooklyn the night before. So right, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. And they can't lose that match either. If they lose to those two guys, that Paul Ellering's new team—I don't even know what they're called. They're just two really big guys that terrify me. Yeah, in real life because they're huge. But there's no way you have Alpha lose to them. But that's that's neither here nor there.
1: So, I don't know. I think I think uh, the SummerSlam show is definitely going to be carried by the Raw roster. Just That's what
0: I was it. thinking. It's definitely going to be Raw heavy. There's no doubt about that. Right. I mean, you might even see Wyatt get in a promotional match, maybe against Woods. You know, if maybe they'll have that thing finally come to a head in some way if they're going to keep it going, but I don't see how. Mm-hmm. You know, the tag team titles are on Raw, so I don't really see, you know, Wyatt teaming with Rowan to make that happen. That just seems weird, too, so... Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, the card's going to shape up, I'm sure, but it's going to be one of those things where I'm wondering if it's still a month out, if we're going to only see the matches start
1: to take place, maybe
0: not at the go-home shows, but pretty close to.
1: Mm-hmm. So the other big story on SmackDown that we had lots I mean, of people commenting about on social media. Yeah. And you know where I'm going here. No doubt. Eva Marie. Eva Marie. And her entrance. What do you think?
0: I loved it, Ryan. <laughs> and this is this is me not being sarcastic. I'm actually pretty sincere here. I am not uh, on the hashtag train of all read everything, you know, as she's tried to get started how many different times. And I think she's terrible. She's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to professional wrestling since Kelly Kelly um, and everyone else in that time period. But the, the SmackDown women... Are already in a weird spot because giving becky the win back over natalia on tuesday after losing to her on sunday i didn't really understand where we were going with that and then having uh alexa bliss come out she got the most mic time which i thought was kind of weird you know i like alexa i think alexa on the mic is pretty good her ring work's gotten a little better i like the draft pick to have her move to smackdown But then Naomi comes out, she gets about two words in, then Carmella comes out, she got less than two words in, and then you have the moment of all moments, when you have Eva Marie, (laughs) she doesn't even come out, they just, they give her a voiceover ring entrance, because they don't trust her on the mic that much, they didn't want to hear her get booed out of the arena, like always, when she tries to talk that they actually had someone sit in back, some poor fool had to sit in front of a microphone and record that nonsense about how great she is and not vomit as he's saying it. (laughs) And they just play it over the thing. And that was the end of the whole segment. Like they didn't do anything else after that. They just brought her out, let her pose. And then we went to commercial. Like that was it. I was so lost, but at the same time, I was almost enraptured by it. So I was terrified by my enjoyment of All Right Everything. From Concord, California, comes the most stylish, elegant, bewitching, eternally beguiling, continuously charismatic and fantastically fascinating woman to appear in this or any arena. Allow yourself to be seduced, enchanted, dazzled, and entranced by all red everything herself, Eva Marie.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> she's definitely someone who has, at least when she started, she's got the go-away heat, right? Like, she doesn't right. have heel heat. She has the, you suck, we don't even want you on the show, please exactly. leave. That's what she always had from the NXT crowd. Um, I think, yeah, if she's going to be on the main roster, there, this is probably the best thing they could have done with her. I mean, it was pretty good. I, I liked it, too. I'm not going to lie.
0: That's the sad thing. They actually made it work. They actually made us like her. Got, it, her. got to
1: admit it. We have to but admit it. But I mean,
0: it. God, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens now. Like, is she going to come out every time and just not speak? She's just <laughs> going to come out to that ridiculous voiceover, and she's going to come out and do her... She doesn't even have two moves. I mean, that her sliced bread is one of the worst things I've ever seen. And then they try to give her that new move, like almost like a running STO, where she forgets that she has to run first so she just kind of like falls next to her opponent and and someone's forced to make that look good. I just I don't ever want to see her in the ring, but everyone knows that we're heading towards Eva Marie Becky Lynch on SmackDown and that's terrifying. That's terrifying. <laughs>
1: you but know, at the same
0: time like yeah. I kind of want to see that train wreck and see what happens.
1: Here's what they should do. All right. I got it. Every week She gets the full entrance with the voiceover. They could even change it up a little bit every week. She walks out like really slowly like she did on Tuesday night. She poses. She gets down to the ring. She looks around. And then she just slowly walks to the back. And her opponent's (laughs) left confused like, why is she not wrestling? And she just does this every week. And she gets so much heat because nobody knows what's going on. It's the most confusing thing anyone has ever seen. By the time she finally has to wrestle, people will be dying to see it. I think she should just act like she's just completely above the whole thing. She gets her entrance, and then she leaves.
0: That's just... <laughs> it's going to happen now. Someone is going to make that happen, and we're going to be forced every Tuesday to have 10 minutes of her... It's going to be like longer than The Undertaker's entrance. Oh it's, gonna, it's just going to take forever. God, I hope not.
1: It might even surpass The Undertaker's entrance. If they don't do the
0: lights, I'm not they should do the lightning and everything.
1: Red mist, red smoke, <laughs> red spotlights. <laughs> and then she just uh, walks off. I can't use the and then she just walks off. And nobody knows what's going on trouble. and they cut to a commercial.
0: Oh, that'd be weird. I would watch it though. That's <laughs> so sad. Oh, it's so sad. Oh my god.
1: She could just have that blank stare on her face that she always has, anyways, as she just walks right back up the aisle and everyone's screaming, What is going on here? how sad is that
0: that that's her that's her resting face like that's it's not like she's thinking about anything it's not that I mean she's just trying to not screw up that's what her face looks like every day she's like I just don't want to screw up I go back to like those early Total Divas episodes because my wife watches that show religiously. It's the one wrestling thing she watches, the least wrestling thing to
1: watch. Oh, my God. We have this in common as well. So that I'm is saying. the only thing wrestling-related my wife will watch either. So she, she will actually watch the women's matches. Right. You know. And I'll, I'll yell, and she, hey, the women's match is starting, and she'll come watch it because of Total it's Divas. It's so
0: sad, though, because it's always like six months behind. She's like, wait a minute. I just saw this on Total Divas where she was facing her. I'm like, yeah, that was five months ago. But you know, like, I remember that time when, you know, Red came out. Yeah, I'm going to call her Red from now on because why not? She comes out and she had to do the ring announcements. And she, uh, Ginger Mahal, what she called him? Ginger Mahal or something like that? Yeah. And she so. thought it was no big deal. Like, that's like, that's the face she has now all the time. She's just like, I can't call anybody Ginger again because I might actually get fired this time. <laughs> Which she won't because Vince is like, yeah, right, that's never going to happen. But, no chance. No. no chance. That was nice. That was nice. I like that. <laughs> just start playing this music. I just heard it in my head. It's everywhere now.
1: It's playing in the background right now. I'll it add is. it in post-production. It should be. <laughs> All right. So. All right.
0: What you, that's just... You know, that's what it is. I mean, we're going to have Dolph Ziggler facing Dean Ambrose at SummerSlam, and they're going to have to build that into something serious. And if not, they're going to have to have even Marie be the special
1: guest referee. So... So overall, I mean... I thought SmackDown was the weaker show. I thought Raw was excellent. Yeah. SmackDown it was, a, I think, it was a little bit above average. Um, viewership wise, it was below three million. It lost viewers compared to the week before, but the week before had the draft, so that was mm-hmm. to be expected. But it was, right. it was considerably lower than Raw, which. Again, I think you have to expect that it's going to be a process to get people to tune into SmackDown and make them see that this is a show they have to watch every week. So, I mean, for for ten years you haven't had to watch SmackDown. So,
0: right in ten years from now, you still won't have to watch SmackDown. So, (laughs) well, Daniel Bryan will be wrestling for the title in the next two months. I guarantee it. Oh God, let's hope not. I I hope not. He'll die in the ring, and we don't need that. So.
1: I like Brian way too much to see him back in the ring. He seems That's true. Uh, I don't know. Well it It's was, a weird role for him. It's yeah. kind of still strange for me to
0: see him. It's even worse if you watch the Cruiserweight Classic. He's just not built for that, you know, running commentary like that. But
1: it's weird like, because he was like all the reports where he couldn't even be around, he couldn't even watch wrestling after right. he had to retire because it upset him so much, and now he's like right. all over it. So he either is he, Either he is um, completely over it, or, I don't know, they, they convinced him to come back somehow. But I, I hope he's over it and is having fun with it, because if he's not, that's got to be dreadful coming to work. Oh,
0: for sure. For sure. Just as dreadful as JBL's you know commentary on Tuesday night.
1: Oh. So. Speaking of SmackDown, JBL, when he started doing commentary on SmackDown like 10 years ago or more, mm-hmm. was really good actually back he then was, I thought
0: he was almost like the anti-lawler yeah. in a way you know and it was different and it was fun but I mean at some point someone told him he was good and he just kind of stuck with that thought process and he forgot to stay good he's he's painful I mean and Morrow's got to carry a whole show now which is ridiculous you know you got Vince McMahon in your ear barking at you live and then you got these two morons sitting next to you who can't carry a conversation unless you know Jennifer Hudson's there to help him, and JBL gets to talk about God knows what. I don't even know what he was talking about half the time. All of his references are going over my head, and I'm old enough to remember them.
1: JBL is like that guy in high school who peaked in high school. You remember this right. guy as like the coolest guy, the captain of the football team, and you see him like – you know, 15 years later, me and Jason, we've been around out of high school around that long. You know, you see this guy I'm 15 years later, jerk, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell happened to that guy? That's JBL. That's he peaked early, and he's been downhill ever since.
0: It's a long, long hill, too. So he needs to get out of the limo with the horns on it and just ride off into the sunset. Or maybe get back into the limo and ride off into the sunset. I don't know. But I'm done, and it, it's going to be rough because you can't have Graves who, I mean, how many times did he correct Cole in Saxon on Monday and make himself look that much better and still even made the, the actual broadcast feel n- natural? Oh, there I, was
1: something Cole called that was way off, um, and then Graves, like, immediately corrected. I think he I think he called someone by the wrong name.
0: Probably. Something
1: happened, like, right outside the ring on the camera side. and. Yeah. And then he immediately corrected him. And Graves is awesome on the mic. Cole but the, is but the
0: thing about that is, like, even though even though I can't stand Michael Cole, I mean, you got to admit that's been years in the making. No one, and that's that's his character now. But I didn't notice him nearly as much Monday because he and Graves actually worked really well together. There was actually some sort of some sort of organic relationship that worked there that made me think. Michael Cole's there, and he's talking. But I'm listening to Corey Graves, and Corey Graves is making this work. So I was in it. But Tuesday, I I have to admit, I muted my TV at about halfway through. And I'm sad because I like listening to Morrow as much as the next person. But I couldn't listen to JBL anymore.
1: By the way, has more Ronaldo unblocked you on Twitter yet?
0: I do not think he has. And I'm still genuinely confused as to why he blocked me in the first place. Because... <laughs> I have had nothing but good things to say about him. He's like and this guy
1: heaps way too much praise on me. I can't see it anymore. He's
0: maybe that's what head. it was. Maybe that's what it was. I was just, I was just trying to be his friend, man. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> just, just wanted him to be
1: my friend. <laughs> <laughs> someday, maybe we'll start a campaign free Jason Stout from more. Might have to happen, man. Because I
0: don't, I don't know what's going on. It's sad. <laughs> All
1: right, so that was our. How's our week with the WWE, at least on the main roster. Um, so we're going to wind down the show now with a couple things to talk about. Uh, let's see. This last weekend, I attended the George Tragos Luthes Wrestling Hall of Fame in Iowa. There's more Iowa. than one Hall of Fame, Ryan? There is. This is the real Hall of Fame. This
0: is the real one. This yes. has an actual location.
1: Yep, a physical and Hall of Fame. We actually
0: give a shit about the guys who are in it. <laughs>
1: According to Bret Hart, this is the real Wrestling Hall of Fame.
0: Okay, well, here's the question. Here's the here's the way you know if it's the real Hall of Fame. Is Coco Beware in it? He is not. See, that's the real Hall of Fame.
1: That's right. So for those of you that don't know, um, this Hall of Fame's been around since like the late 90s. Um, it's housed at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. If you're not familiar with Dan Gable, he's probably the greatest amateur wrestler in the history of the United States uh gold medalist coached the Iowa Hawkeyes to like a ridiculous amount of national championships and he's from Waterloo so they have this museum to him there and inside the museum there's a wing that's the George Tragos Luthez Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame which Luthez was involved in starting in the late 90s and so to get into the Hall of Fame um you need some kind of real athletic background in addition to being a pro wrestler like for example hulk hogan would never get inducted into this hall of fame you you need to have been usually an amateur wrestler or maybe a really good football player Um, in fairness
0: through most of hogan's career he was very amateur
1: so (laughs) that's true
0: (laughs) um i mean god love him in my childhood but Seeing him now, I just – I don't know what I was ever thinking. I feel like I was drunk as a five-year-old.
1: You were a kid. You liked it. I mean – Right. Just like the Ultimate Warrior. You watch those promos now and you're like, I don't know what the hell he's saying, but it's awesome.
0: Well, that's because cocaine was a hell of a drug. So, <laughs> it was the 80s. I mean those headbands were wrapped really, really tight. <laughs> so anyway, back to the real Hall of Fame.
1: All right. So right at the Hall of Fame then, um, they actually – they have this, these inductions every July – and um, they have a, an actual committee that votes on it. It's um, like previous inductees, uh, respected journalists, things like that. And um, they get a ridiculous amount of star power at this thing every year. Um, and it's a huge it's a huge weekend like on the Friday night, they'll have a big indie show in town um, where a lot of the Hall of famers will appear. And then Saturday, they've got like a big fan festival. you can interact with, all the Hall of Famers, and then uh, Saturday night they have a big banquet. Like, everyone dresses up; it's a big time thing. So, uh, this what did year, you wear, Ryan? Who did you wear? Well, I actually could not attend the banquet this year, unfortunately, which oh. is usually the best thing. I've gone many times before. This year, I didn't get to go to that part. Um,
0: I was just hoping you were wearing your tuxedo T-shirt, but other than that, I mean, maybe next year,
1: hopefully. <laughs> I am I am going to convince, maybe we'll start a campaign on this, that Stout has to drive from Ohio to Iowa to come to this next summer. I have a spare bedroom. You can stay for free. You have to see this thing. It's it's ridiculous, man. You walk you walk down the museum, and like I walked in there, and J.J. J. Dillon just walked past me carrying his Subway bag. I'm like, holy shit, it's J.J. J. Dillon.
0: First of all, <laughs> let's talk about the fact that J.J. J. Dillon was eating Subway. Like, dude... <laughs> Like this is this is this huge Hall of Fame and banquet, but they couldn't give him food. So he's like, I have to go somewhere. Well, this go- was before bar the banquet. This was this, oh, this so, is in the afternoon. Is this
1: skinny J.J. Dillon? Because yeah, he's getting older. He's Yeah, he's 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 pretty skinny now. And I wouldn't Look, say skinny, but he's... Who is
0: who is J.J. Dillon, for those of you who are really... who are, Why are you listening to our show if you don't know who J.J. Dillon is? Never mind. Move on.
1: Right. So J.J. Dillon, if you don't know, the original manager of the Four Horsemen, right? He worked in the... The front office of WWF and WCW for a number right. of years. Um, and he was there. Um, Dave Meltzer was there to get their uh, Jim Melby Award, which is for like journalists. Bob Backlund was there. I mean, like the day before he was on Battleground. Um, the Iron Sheik was there. Oh, of course. Uh, of course. He was a living inductee. Did he curse at you? No. He was, I mean, he was doing the character, but he was pretty toned down. Not like – it was not like his Twitter page.
0: Right. His Twitter – don't – if you are at work, (laughs) never open the Iron Sheik's Twitter page. Absolutely not. Ever.
1: Um, And they also inducted uh, Joe Blanchard, who is deceased, but he he had Tully Blanchard there Mm -hmm. and Tessa Blanchard, so his granddaughter and son. And uh, and there was just a lot of past inductees there too. So, I mean, it was – it's awesome. If you ever get a chance, definitely check it out. Um, the uh, The indie show on Friday night had a match with uh, Sammy Callahan taking on Ricochet. And we were talking earlier in the show about the hottest free agent wrestling. That's probably actually Ricochet or Prince no Puma from Lucha no, Underground, no if you doubt. don't know. But I think the reason he was booked on the show is he's dating Tessa Blanchard, who was there to you know accept the award for... Um, her grandfather, and she also wrestled on the indie show. Um, but, yeah, this match with Ricochet and Sammy Callahan, who was Solomon Crow in NXT, if you don't know him, was, I am not even exaggerating, this was the best match I have ever seen live. And I've been to a lot of wrestling shows, I've been to WrestleMania. The match was ridiculous. If you go to topropepress.com, go to our features page, you'll see a review I wrote about the Hall of Fame weekend on July 24th. There's a video of the whole match in there. You got to see it. It was it was awesome. So the question is, would,
0: would Vader like the match?
1: Probably. Well, you know what? I think he would like the match. It wasn't okay. like ridiculously high flying right. and like a spot fest like the match he had with Will Osprey. But it was because yeah, Callahan is pretty mobile, but he's not. You know, he's right. Not no, Will he's Ospreay. definitely not as yeah. mobile. So yeah, we had that. Right. We had the Hall right. of Fame. It was yeah, it was great. So I'll be there next year, Jason. Think about taking the trip. Alright, well, I'll think about it.
0: And I will talk to my wife, which would be, as we all know, married men. Hey honey, I'm gonna drive out to Iowa to go to a professional wrestling hall of fame. You're okay with that, right? Yes. Yes, I am. That conversation will never
1: happen that way. So <laughs> You know, hey, you can bring her and our wives can have a total diva's marathon and we'll go to the that hall of fame.
0: Would actually be hilarious to watch and film probably at some point. So
1: let me just say also, some of you are probably wondering like, why is this big pro wrestling hall of fame in Iowa of all places? Um, I know I the was, answer to that. I was really known for amateur wrestling, right? Is, I mean, this I is, like, the capital of amateur wrestling, but I know I... pro wrestling wise, well, Luthes started this museum and he started the hall of fame. Um, it was down in Newton, Iowa at the time, which is near Des Moines. Um, and they in 2007, they moved it to Waterloo, which is a bigger area. And Waterloo is the hometown of Dan Gable. So they, they made it the Dan Gable Museum. They kept the, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, obviously. Gable was there also, by the way. Um, but Waterloo does have some um, pretty crazy wrestling history. Like the NWA, if those of you who are not wrestling historians or don't know the old school wrestling stuff the nwa was like the original big wrestling organization and it was actually started in waterloo iowa just a few blocks from where the museum is so they always mention that at the banquet um and then uh everyone knows hopefully frank gotch who was like the uh he was like the rick flair of the 19 teens and 20s that era right he was from humboldt iowa which is probably 90 minutes west of waterloo so there's there's some good pro wrestling connections here in the area, so.
0: Well, then I was wrong.
1: What do you think? Wrong.
0: I thought it was because if you build something in Iowa, they will come. So.
1: That's also true. Field I just dreams. thought that was
0: how that goes. You build You build things and they come to <laughs> Iowa. So.
1: Greatest baseball movie of all time.
0: Uh, I don't know about <laughs> that.
1: You know, I remember being a kid when they were filming that and my parents showing me an ad in the newspaper. You know the last scene of that movie where like they zoom out and yeah. there's all the car, the cars on the road because everyone's yeah. coming to see it. I remember there was an ad in the newspaper to like be an extra and line up on this highway and just for that scene. Right. And it was uh, I don't know, that was filmed probably, I don't know, it's like 45 minutes to an hour from Waterloo. So I was an extra in a movie once. Which movie was that? Dark Knight Rises. Seriously?
0: Yeah. My buddy and I uh, drove out to Pittsburgh because that's where they're filming it, and uh, we sat in Heinz Field for about twelve hours filming the football scene. We were the, some of the fans in the
1: stands. Oh, with oh, okay, where Bane comes in. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. That was the longest twelve to fourteen hours of my life, <laughs> um, and I will never be in a movie again. So,
1: wow. Hey, There's, you got that acting credit, right?
0: I do. I'm on IMDb. Um, I'm not on IMDb, but, you know, it's cool. So what do you think, Ryan? you want to tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us and maybe we can give them some sort of uh, go-away nostalgia poll so they can tell us what they think and we can talk about it next time?
1: All right, so what Jason's hinting at here, we want to get our listeners involved um, either through social media, at Top Rope Press, our Facebook page. You can email us. Just check out topropepress.com for all our contact Info, but what we want to do is, um, well, we want to give you something for participating. So if you haven't seen, there are some toprowpress.com t-shirts on pro wrestling tees, some pretty, pretty sweet designs, actually, I would say. And so we thought maybe once in a while do some trivia, um, maybe give away a t-shirt or two. Um, so maybe next week um, we can kick this off. Well, what we wanted to do this time is have like a discussion on. 8-bit video game. So if you've seen the show's logo, you can see that our logo is designed after an old NES cartridge. And so we wanted fans' opinions on their favorite 8-bit pro wrestling video game and why it's your favorite 8-bit pro wrestling game. Exactly. So whoever gives us the best answer is going to win a Top Rope Press t-shirt next week on the show. So... Email us topropepress at gmail.com or tweet us. Let us know what's your favorite 8-bit video game and why the best answer will win a t-shirt. So let me ask you, you, Jason.
0: We got to say it, though, Ryan. You got to say it. Like, don't don't go giving us this answer thinking like you're being all sweet. Like, oh, I remember this game. You have to know the game because we're talking 8-bit. We're not asking you to go and be like, oh, you know, yeah, I played WrestleMania when it came out because it was just like Mortal Kombat. Then I'm just going to ignore you. I'm going to ignore you completely.
1: And don't if throw don't, out like an N64. Game. We're talking NES, yeah, don't want any the of original nonstop. Nintendo.
0: Like You can talk about the games you played at the arcade. That's cool, but they had to be before like 1991, you know? Right. If they're after that, then I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you played. I do, because you're all cool. But I'm just saying, don't try to pull one over on us because we, like we said, we are children of the 80s. We know these things like I blew in the cartridges, put it back in. I would go up to my store, the one store we had that rented out video games. You know, because you had to physically go rent them (laughs) because you didn't just go buy them because they were still forty bucks at the time. And your parents aren't going to just go buy you a video game for your NES. You had to go rent them every weekend, and that's what we did. And that's what I'm saying. Like Ryan, mine was easily the old game. It was called Pro Wrestling. I think it was came out in like 1986. (laughs) Big. You know Starman Hayabusa uh, the Amazon The Amazon was my favorite by far but you know you would go you would wrestle one-on-one or you could do you know two player and you'd have to win five matches and you would and you would face the champion if you could beat the champion you'd move on you'd have to defend the title it was great because you know you only had like what those games you only had five moves maybe six moves so you were like the John Cena of the NES time <laughs> Where you could only do certain things, and you had like kind of a special move or whatever, but you'd have a time limit. You'd have to pin your opponent. You'd have to win, and it, and it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy, but it was fun because the it was the first time really for me that I was playing a pro wrestling game because at the time WWE didn't have one. There's, I think, their first one came out like it was only in arcade. I think it was the first WrestleMania or the Superstar one, and that was only in arcades, and they didn't come out on any S. I think until. I don't even think it came out until Super NES.
1: Right. Yeah, that was me. Was it WWF WrestleMania? Was that the first?
0: I think that was the very first one that, that I think came out. But I think it was on Super NES. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. I know I just gave the whole spiel about being a child of the 80s. But screw you. It was also 30 years ago.
1: So I just Googled it so I'm going to cheat a little bit. Yeah, See, cheater. 1989 WrestleMania, and I, I do know there was a, another WWF game. It was WrestleMania Steel Cage Challenge because it's I do a Steel Cage Challenge
0: one. was, I liked that one too. But to me, it still was pro wrestling because it was so cheesy that you had to like it because you just the characters all looked like they were just, you know, they're the same. They just had a different color. One guy was green. The Starman had a literal star on his face. I don't know their backstories, but I mean, we should totally write that movie, you know, like, use that and, like, write their backstories and have this huge, terrible 80s version of animated movie on TBS later.
1: Well, mine, my favorite NES wrestling game is the WCW World Championship wrestling game. I think it came out around 1990, and I just remember thinking it was a lot more advanced than the WWF games at the time, like... You would select your wrestler, and then I think you had eight moves that you could pick. Or, yeah, there was eight moves you could pick from, and then you would pick four of them. And they would be oh. assigned to, like, your directional buttons. Okay.
0: I remember that game. So you were me about it earlier, and I didn't remember it, cause I do remember that one now.
1: Yeah. So it, it was, like, really advanced for NES. What's that?
0: It had a weird roster, though, because that was the days of WCW that just turned to WCW. Yeah. So it had, like, the old NWA roster, right?
1: Yeah, it was yeah, it was the NWA roster. Yeah.
0: See, now that's fun. They sh- that, I would play that. I'm going to have to look for that emulator and definitely play that one.
1: Yeah, it was uh the funny thing about that game is that it had the Road Warriors on the cover and then they jumped to WWF like right after the game came out. Awesome.
0: Yeah, SummerSlam <laughs> 92. You're right. Yeah.
1: So Right, they were, I think they advertised it like they changed the cover on it to be Sting or something like that, but they never printed any games that had anything but the Road Warriors on the cover. And it was like the old NWA Road Warriors, they had like the black shoulder pads on. Yeah, it was...
0: When they were still terrifying beyond all reason. (laughs) That's right. WWE still managed to cartoonize even one of the most terrifying tag teams in the history of tag team wrestling by giving them red shoulder pads. Yep. and making them and riding se- on motorcycles. Selling, selling
1: foam shoulder pads as well. Yeah,
0: foam shoulder pads, which you know you had a pair. I don't want to hear it.
1: I might have. Plead the fifth. All right. right. <laughs> All right, we're going to close up here. Just a couple fan questions, real brief answers. Um, every week we're going to ask, you know, what do you want us to talk about on the show in the mailbag segment? we got a couple questions here. Um, the first one here from Ryan Franson on Twitter. He asked us, now that the rivalry is on pause, what's next for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? So we talked about Kevin Owens earlier. We think um, Owens probably at SummerSlam is going to wrestle Roman Reigns. That's our guess. Uh, where do you think Sami Zayn's headed? Any ideas, Jason?
0: I think that's going to have to probably be Rusev. I think he has to get right in the U.S. title picture and go. Um, he's the ultimate underdog. You know, he's he's playing that role. Rusev is unstoppable. It'll play well. I think they'll even actually have some pretty decent matches. People underestimate how good Rusev really is in the ring. The story he tells when he's in the ring, and I think Sammy Zayn can play off that really well. I'm not a huge uh, Scott Grandpa fan, um, <laughs> but that hat gets me every time. But my grandpa has that hat, so I don't know. I think it's. I think that's probably the only direction you really go, though. <laughs>
1: There's one. Th- if that match does happen, there's one thing you can guarantee about it, and that is that when you have Sami Zayn and Rusev in the ring, the fans are going to chant USA at some Oh, point. no doubt. No doubt. Even though one's Canadian and one's exactly. from Bulgaria. It's so.
0: fine. <laughs> WWE fans are not exactly give a damn about uh, nationality when it comes to the foreign power. So,
1: <laughs> And, uh, all right, last question here. This is from Tim. And he wanted to know, uh, is Finn going to beat Rollins at Summerslam? My answer to that would be no. I don't think he will. I actually probably wouldn't have him beat Rollins personally. I think it'd be, I think it'd be a little bit too soon for him to get the title that quickly. Um, I hope Reigns comes out, turns heel, costs him the match. We'll see if that actually happens. But either way, no, I do not think he'll beat Rollins. What do you think?
0: Oh, the simple answer is no. There, there's no way Vince McMahon's going to put his uh, poster brand on the shoulders of a guy that he probably has no real faith in. He just knows that whatever Hunter tells him at post-production meetings or pre-production meetings, uh, Vince doesn't really like his 190-pound champions too much, and I think it's asking way too much of a guy like Finn Balor to carry that whole show and that whole brand this soon. So I would say more than likely we'll see Rollins win. We'll get a nice little rematch. Uh, at uh, Which which one is their first? Clash? Is it Clash of Champions? Uh, yes, I believe get so. Get a nice little rematch probably there. He'll probably still lose that one. But, I mean, come on. If he's going to play the face moving forward, Balor should chase the title. He shouldn't win it. He should chase it. It makes it much more interesting when he does actually win it, which I'm saying he'll probably win it by the end of the year or start of 2017 if they still have faith in him at that point, which I, I think at that point Vince has no choice.
1: Yeah, it would it would be, uh, let's see, I looked it up, Clash of the Champions September 25th in Indianapolis. So Look at me knowing
0: pay-per-view. my Raw shows. That's right.
1: Next pay-per-view for Raw for the Raw brand after SummerSlam. So.
0: Which is interesting because half the championships at that point might be on SmackDown, but whatever.
1: <laughs> we'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting couple weeks. That's should sure. be, should be. All right, well, we are going to wrap up this first episode of Top Rope Nation right now. So, again, get those answers to us on Twitter, on email, Facebook. Let us know your favorite MES game and why you'll win a t-shirt if you give us the best answer. And other than that, you can check us out next week. We'll be right back here with the second episode of Top Rope Nation. And in the meantime, make sure to check out topropepress.com for all your wrestling news, features, and results. And we'll see you guys again next time.
0: See you guys.